You are listening to a sermon by Tanner Sherlock. Visit com for more info. All right. So, how many of you guys grew up in church? By a show of hands. The vast majority of you guys. Me too. I grew up in church, but the crazy thing is, even though I grew up in church, I wasn't a Christian. And so, while I was thinking about that a little bit, thinking about my relationship with Christ when I was growing up in church was purely a religious uh, duty more than anything. It was a get-out-of-jail-free card. It was a Jesus was some historical figure that existed 2,000 years ago, and he may or may not have actually existed, but because my parents were Christian, I was Christian, so I went to church. But in reality, looking back on that, I was never, ever a Christian. I had never actually had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so while I was thinking about that, and I was preparing my sermon, I was looking back at my walk with Christ, and I started realizing that, hey, there might be some of you guys in here that when you were a Christian back then, maybe you weren't actually a Christian, that you were Christian by religion, but not necessarily by faith. Can you turn me down a little bit? And then I started thinking a little bit more about it, and I started thinking about, you know, maybe there's actually some of you guys in here right now, that even though you might raise your hand because you say you, you grew up in church, That doesn't necessarily mean that you're in here and you're actually a Christian. That you might be Christian based off of religion, but not off of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And man, I remembered how easily I got burnt out on Christianity when it was all on my shoulders. And so while I was writing my sermon and I was praying about what I was going to talk about today, I just pictured some of you guys. That maybe there was even just, just one single solitary one of you guys that was in here by Christian, by religion and not by faith, not by a relationship. You were Christian based solely on your, your legalistic religion and the things that you were said that you have a list of do's and don'ts that you have to do in order to be a Christian and to fit in in, in your family household. If there's even just a single one of you guys in here, I want to do what it takes to change that, to turn your religion into a relationship. And so I, I started thinking about what, what does it take to, to, to grow in a relationship with Jesus out of that religion. Why on earth would I go to church and memorize scripture and do all of these things to grow in my walk as a Christian without a relationship with Christ? Why wasn't I a Christian? Why had I never given my life to Christ? Why had I never actually built that relationship with Jesus? And I could only come up with two answers. The first answer was, either I had never actually heard the gospel of Jesus Christ accurately represented, or when I did hear it, I either didn't have ears to hear it, or I just simply wasn't paying attention. And so just in case, there's even a single one of you guys in here that your entire walk with Christ is based solely in a a religion and not a relationship, or you have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ accurately represented, I felt like it had to be my duty to start off the school year by sharing with you guys the gospel of Jesus Christ and and what the gospel of Jesus Christ represents. And I'm not going to get out the Bible and just read the gospels. That would take way too long. So I'm going to kind of get down to the the nuts and bolts of what the, what the gospel of Jesus Christ really is tonight. And like I said, thinking back to my religious relationship, 
It honestly surprises me that I attended church as long as I actually did. Because when you take religion on your shoulders, I went to church, I went to Sunday school early on, I went to a youth group, I enjoyed it. I mean, I did all the churchy things that you would associate with a Christian growing up in a Christian household. But as I got older and got older, the things of the world began looking more appealing to me. The things of the world made more sense. They, they, they had more real value to my life than my religious relationship with Christ did. And so slowly but surely, the world started chipping away at my religion. Started chipping away at my religion, just kept chipping away. Eventually, I stopped going to Wednesday night services. Eventually, I stopped going to Bible school before Sunday, or Sunday school before church. And then eventually, I just stopped going to church. And then I started getting more and more involved in the world, and I'm not going to give my whole testimony tonight. That'll come later in the year, but it ended in a point in which a relationship with Jesus Christ was nowhere on my radar. A religion with Jesus Christ was nowhere on my radar because a religion with Jesus Christ based solely on the religious aspects is exhausting. Man, it's a lot of weight to hold on your shoulders. A list of do's and don'ts, things you have to adhere to and things that you cannot do. And when you, when you look at Christianity like that and you just look at it as a list of things you can and can't do, there's no way you can even accomplish that on your own. There's no way you can fathom, fathomably do it. And so it's no wonder that my relationship, or my lack thereof, my religion, chipped away when I was in college. See, because eventually what happens is you'll commit to this list of do's and don'ts, you'll commit to this religion, and you'll be good for like two weeks you say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, man, I'm gonna be a good Christian. I'm gonna set to this, this, I'm gonna take it seriously. I'm gonna be on point. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna to sleep around. I'm not gonna get drunk. I'm not gonna do all these drugs. I'm, not, I'm gonna be a good Christian. And it's, and it works at first. And then slowly over time, the weight of everything starts to take its toll on you. And you slip up one day. You get back on track, you slip up the next day, you slip up the next day, and you start slipping more and more and more, and then eventually you find yourself running away from God rather than running to him. You find yourself trying to avoid the Christians that you see in here, outside of here, because you don't want to talk to them. You don't want them to ask you, why didn't you show up to Chi Alpha tonight? Why didn't you come, come to church on Sunday? You start avoiding the people who, who truly care about you as a Christian. And on the other side of the spectrum, with, with false, false religiousness, you're on the exact opposite side. And you pride yourself by how well you follow the rules and regulations of Christianity. You pride yourself on the fact that you've never had sex before marriage, the fact you've never sipped alcohol, the fact that you don't lie, you don't steal, you don't cheat. You begin to pride yourself on the, the accomplishments that you make as a Christian and how well you follow the Christian law and your entire worth is in how well you stick to the Christian code and it's not, your worth isn't set in Jesus Christ. There's two ends of the spectrum of, of religiousness. And no matter which side of the equation you find yourself on, they're both exactly the same. So turn in your Bible today, we're going to be in Colossians 1 starting in verse 12. Colossians 1.13. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Just in case you missed the implications here, it says he rescued us. It doesn't say you rescued you. It doesn't say you followed a list so well, you picked yourself up from your bootstraps and you rescued yourself. No, he rescued you. And then after he rescued us, he brought us into the kingdom of Jesus. He did all the work. See, the two scenarios of religiousness I shared just a minute ago have one thing in common, and that is the religiousness, the adhering to a set of rules or standards. Committing to that will simply just get you nowhere. Man, it is all in vain. How do I know that it's in vain? Well, see, there's a group in the Bible that Man, I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how well you set yourself to the law and how well you set yourself as a Christian, as a religious standard. There's a group in the Bible that would put your religiousness to shame. And they were the Pharisees. Scripture talks a lot about the Pharisees. The Pharisees, man, if you think you're religious, you think you know somebody that's religious, they don't have anything on the Pharisees. And the reason I know this is, Because the Pharisees memorized the Torah. Torah is the first five books of the Bible. You know what one of the books in the Torah is? Numbers. Dude, I can't even read through numbers. And the Pharisees had numbers memorized. They put your religiousness to shame. I don't care how religious you think your grandma is. The Pharisees put them to shame. And scripture talks... Many, many different times about the flaws of the Pharisees. And one of the worst things that the Pharisees committed was that when Jesus was standing in front of them face to face, they didn't even recognize him. Their religiousness did nothing to show them who Jesus Christ was. They didn't have any form of a relationship with Jesus Christ. But man, they were religious. They made your religiousness look not religious. So you can never do a single thing to earn yourself a spot in heaven. Let's continue. Verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation, over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, or rules, or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. See, I like how it includes here the invisible and the visible. So not only is everything that you see made for him and through him, everything that you can't see is made for him and through him. Man, that's that's crazy. See, one of the first things that people say is the reason why they don't go to church, or why they don't like church, or why they don't like Christians. Number one thing, I guarantee every single one of you guys is thinking about right now, the hypocrites. I don't want to go to church because the hypocrites. Hypocrites, not hypocrites. <laughs> the, the gang of hypocrites. They don't want to go to church because the hypocrites. 
Why don't, why don't you like Christianity? Oh, the, the hypocrites. Christians are just hypocrites. They set themselves to a, a rule of standards and, and regulations that they don't even fully submit to themselves. Well, yeah. I tell you, I'm a hypocrite. Every single one of you guys, if you say you're a Christian, you're a hypocrite. Why? Because there is a set of, of rules and standards in which we try to uh, uh, adhere our lives to in which we just cannot simply follow. It is impossible to follow the law 100%. Yet we still submit ourselves to that. And we can't do it. And we, we judge other Christians by that same rule and the same regulations in which it's impossible to adhere to. We're simply just not perfect. In a religion that, that calls for perfectness, for perfection, we are not perfect. And so if we pretend that we are perfect for even a second, yeah, we're hypocrites. Under religiousness. Keyword there is under religiousness. And to reiterate what I said last week, if you weren't here, Christianity isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. No matter how many times your uncle told you that the pastors in front of you are only in it for money, I can tell you for every single TV evangelist that's out there that is in it for profit, there's a hundred pastors and missionaries who were killed for Jesus Christ. Straight up murdered for the name of Jesus Christ. The gospel doesn't promise you wealth and power. It doesn't promise you an easy, perfect life. But Jesus literally lived and he literally died 2,000 years ago, 2,000 some odd years ago. The reason why, why I can be so sure of this is because, as I just mentioned, his disciples were murdered, almost all of them were murdered for the name of Jesus Christ. They were jailed, they were stoned, they were flogged, they were, they were destroyed throughout all history. And especially his disciples and the early Christians were beat beyond recognition. Unfathom, you can't even fathom how bad they were persecuted. And yet, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus lived and Jesus died, there was a sudden outburst of Christianity. That even though all of the people who even talked about Jesus Christ were killed for it, there was still a huge outpouring of Christians all of a sudden popping up. And, and, and it all happened 2,000 years ago. And you can't deny that, that it actually did happen. Whether or not you buy into Christianity or buy into Jesus Christ, you can't deny that Jesus lived and died. Continue verse 19. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on this earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, Jesus reconciled all things. Not just people, he reconciled all things to himself. As I said before, the things unseen and things seen. Continue reading verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to represent you wholly in his sight. I'm going to read that one more time. But now he has reconciled you 
by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Verse 23, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under the, under the heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. See, Jesus made a way. He made a way for you to be holy. He made a way for you to be without blemish. He made a way through his death and resurrection for you to be holy and blameless if you hold hope, if you hold steadfast in the hope that is in Jesus Christ. See, the law cannot cure you. No matter how perfectly you try to adhere to the law, it cannot heal you. How many of you guys have had a broken bone in your life? I've had two broken bones. They were my left thumb two different times. The first time, I was a little kid, maybe eight or nine years old, and I was riding my bike, and then the chain snapped off my bike and wrapped around the wheel and stopped my bike almost instantly, and I flew over the handlebars, and I landed on my left thumb. And it hurt. I mean, it, it hurt like I've never been hurt before. I've jammed my fingers at that point in time, but I had never, never felt that kind of pain. And so I went home. I ran home crying and screaming. My mom is a nurse. So I go up to her. And I'm like, Mom, Mom, she's doing some bills. Mom, Mom, I, I broke my thumb. She's like, oh, no, you'll be fine. You probably just jammed it. I was like, no, Mom, I broke my thumb. And I'm, I'm in tears, bawling, throwing a fit. I broke my thumb. She looks at it. She's like, no. You just jammed it, we'll wait, and if it still hurts tomorrow, we'll take you in. I was like, no, Mom, I broke my thumb. And so by now, she, her patience is completely gone, and she turns to me and she says, all right, fine, I'm going to take you in, you're going to get an x-ray, and if it isn't broke, I'm going to break it for you. <laughs> so we went in, and it was broken, it was shattered on the growth plate, and they actually had to do reconstructive surgery, otherwise I would have an eight-year-old's thumb. The second time I broke my thumb, I was in high school, would have been my sophomore year of wrestling. We were wrestling at this tournament, and the, the gym had the heat turned up to an ungodly temperature, and the wrestling mats were like goo. Like, how many, how many of you guys are wrestlers in here ever wrestled? You, go, you know that feeling when the wrestling mat's just too hot, and you just, you just sink down into it, almost like a memory foam pad. Like, it's just too soft. And I got my thumb underneath, I got my hands underneath me, and uh, the, the person that's on top of me shoves me forward, and my thumb just sinks right into the, the awesome memory foam goo, and then just, just snaps. Well, I'm a wrestler. I'm a, I'm a tough guy. I'm going to fight my way through it. And so I keep wrestling, and I just tape it up. Well, when you're a wrestler, and you see somebody with tape on their body, you know to target that area. And so my thumb just gets targeted over and over again the rest of the entire uh, tournament. Finally, I get done. I go to my dad. My mom was at home, but my dad was at the tournament, and I walked up to him, and, you know, you bend your thumb like this? Well, it went this way instead. And I was like, hey, Dad, I think I broke my thumb. He's like, yeah, let's take you to the hospital. I was like, no, wait. Better idea. Let's go home first. And he was like, why? I was like, well, just, I want to show mom my, my, my thumb. So we drive home. See, I don't hold grudges at all. So we drive home, and I walk into the living room. I'm like, Mom, I think I broke my thumb. And she's like, ha-ha, very funny. And I hold it up, and I bend it, and it goes the opposite direction. She screams. It was great. 
but two broken thumbs in my life, or th- two broken bones in my, bi- in my life. And the second time, actually, it was broken on a different growth plate, and they had to do reconstructive surgery on it again, and so I had to go through the whole thing again. But there's something cool when you, when you get a broken bone. One of the coolest things I like about it is when you go in, you get the x-ray done, and they show you the x-ray of where it's broken. And you can actually see inside of your body. It's so cool. How many of you guys have had x-rays done before? I mean, at least seen an x-ray. I, I hope all of you have at least seen an x-ray in real life. They're actually really cool. And then, so they, they show you the x-ray, and they show you exactly where every single bone is broken or where it's broken at in your body. They can show you where it's swelling from. They can show you everything on the inside as far as your bones are, uh, bones are concerned. But the thing that sucks about x-rays is even though they can see every single solitary detail of your bone, they can do nothing to fix the problem. They can see everything going on inside your body as far as your bones are concerned specifically But they have no power to do anything to rectify the situation. They have no power to go in and realign your bones. They can just show you what's wrong with your body. See, the crazy thing about the law is it's just like an x-ray. See, it can go in and it can show you the areas of your life that that are filthy, that are nasty, that are broken. It can show you those areas of your life that are broken. But it can't do anything to rectify the situation. No matter how hard you try to to adhere to the law, the old law, no matter how hard you try to adhere to it, you're still broken. You're still in sin. You've still sinned. You still have the problem, and it can't do anything to rectify that problem. See, that's exactly where Jesus Christ comes into play. Jesus Christ is a surgeon. He's the one who goes in, and he actually fixes the brokenness. He repairs it and makes it new again. He takes the x-ray and he shows you what's wrong with your life and then he comes in and he makes you completely whole and new. See, Jesus is the surgeon. The law is the the x-ray. See, the law is is not the good news. See, if we can just get over ourselves get over ourselves long enough to allow Jesus to come in and to rectify the problems and to start performing surgery in our lives that we can just get over ourselves long enough. And the things that he can do, the things that he can use the x-ray to fix in our lives is unimaginable sometimes but we get stuck. We get stuck on ourselves. See, we we get so into ourselves. We get so full of ourselves. But who is harsher to you than you? Who has lied to you more than you? Who messed up my life more than me? We get so full of ourselves, but man... You are the hazard to your own life. I am the hazard to my own life. Man, Reuben hasn't made me commit all of my sins. I chose to do it. The amount of lies I've told myself in my life, man, if you heard some of the lies I tell myself daily, it might scare you that I'm your pastor. Man, the amount of lies that I tell myself, who lies to me more than me? 
See, the law just shows us how wicked we can be. But my heart doesn't need to meditate on me and my own abilities. My heart doesn't need to take that time to focus on myself because I screwed up my life. Before I was a Christian, man, like I said, I'm going to share my testimony with you guys here in a few months, but the, 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 the amount of decisions I made that screwed my life up, I did that to myself. Because when I started focusing on the world and the things that, that it gave me, in reality, I was just focusing on myself. I was focusing on my own wants and desires. I was not focusing on God. I wasn't running towards God. And I, like I said, I grew up in church. I didn't run towards God when I made my problems. I ran from him. But when I took a minute, it was actually at a, at a salt conference in a Chi Alpha where I gave my life to Christ. And I stopped, and I just surrendered. I surrendered control of my life over to Jesus Christ. I surrendered control and in, in, in the wants and desires for my life. I realized I got myself into this mess. God can make it so much better. I'm giving myself over to you, and I completely surrendered myself to Jesus Christ. In that instant, even just in that single moment, let alone the things that have happened since then, in that single moment, the amount of surgery that Jesus was able to commit on my life was, was phenomenal. He took away my, my, my horrible bad mouth. He took away my depression. He took away my bipolar disorder. He took away my alcoholism all in a single moment. The amount of surgery that Jesus could do when I surrendered and I was no longer intrinsically focused on myself and I was looking to him and I was saying, God, you've got to fix me. I'm giving my life over to you. I screwed up my life. I can't do this anymore on my own. Take it. And he did. I never looked back. And the things that he did on that single solitary instant were down here compared to the things that he's done in my life since then, when I continue to, to surrender myself daily to him. See, because every day has its own roadblocks and barriers. But the things that you can accomplish when you surrender your life over to Jesus Christ is amazing. See, Jesus died on the cross so that we could be blameless and so that we could be perfect. He took my wickedness. He took my sins. And he reconciled me to himself. He didn't reconcile me to myself. He reconciled me to him. Does that make sense? He didn't reconcile me to myself. He reconciled me to him. See, the exact same thing is available for every single person on this entire earth, no matter what your beliefs are. Jesus can reconcile you to him. He can take care of the surgery that needs to be done in your life. But he's going to reconcile you to him. And you definitely can't reconcile Jesus to yourself. It doesn't work that way. You can't make Jesus into what you want him to be and take little pieces and little bits here and there what you want Jesus to conform to your life and throw away the other parts because they don't really apply anymore because our 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 Culture has evolved to a point in which we don't need the entire gospel. No, and when you take Jesus Christ in his entirety and you, and you are reconciled to him, not when 
you reconcile him to yourself. See, when a, a person screws up and they've been struggling with religiousness, Perhaps, like I said, they hadn't heard the gospel accurately represented and Christianity was just a list of do's and don'ts to them or for whatever reason they're, they're stuck in religion or perhaps they were a Christian and they've found themselves wandering into religion out of a relationship. So that one day will come when they find themselves down and, and, and depressed and, and dirty and they'll have this mindset like they've got to clean themselves up in order to come back to Jesus. So they've got to clean themselves in order to, to come to Jesus. They don't like to go to church. They don't want to go to church the first time, or maybe they don't want to return to church because they have this mindset, like they've got, to, they've got to clean themselves before they can come to Christ. I just want to get my life right before I dedicate my life to Christ. See, what happens a lot of times is they just disappear. It's because... They didn't accurately understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, because the person who accurately understands and who is living in the right relationship with Jesus Christ and has a full understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when things start going bad and they start getting depressed and things start getting screwed up, they run to Jesus instead of from him. Continue verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, when we submit ourselves to Jesus, so when we submit ourselves to Jesus and we commit to a relationship with him, we recognize that it is not about religiously following the set of rules and that our faith isn't some set of restrictions that is placed on us. When you've reached the right place, you recognize the freedom that is in Christ. And you dedicate your relationship, you dedicate your life to him. See, and here today, no matter whether you've been on that scale, no matter where on that scale you've been, whether you're on the full full far, full far spectrum of of being stuck in religiousness to you've been a Christian and you've fallen back into religiousness, no matter where you are at on that scale, there's only one answer. And that is for you to stop trying to fix yourself and rest in the full gospel of Jesus. See, I'm not saying go out and sin purposefully because of grace. That's not okay either. Regardless of where you are today, Jesus Christ paid the price. He paid the price for every single person on this earth. Jesus gave his life for you. He made the sacrifice to reconcile us. He did the work. He did the dirty work. He did, he did not only just the dirty work, he did all of the work. 
I mean, Jesus did everything possible to reconcile us to him. Because Christianity doesn't make any sense to me if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, it is just about the rules and regulations. Because it it is truly about a relationship with Jesus Christ, an intimate relationship with him. See, because God delights in you. Take a second, listen to that, and, and let it apply to your life. God delights in you. God delights in you. And man, if if you've given your life to Christ, you are clean. You are made new. God delights in you. So my prayer is that every single one of you guys in here would submit your life to Christ and not try to submit Christ to your life. Reuben, would you come up? Tonight I want you to take a moment. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody across this place, close your eyes. I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus Christ, whether it it doesn't exist at all or whether you have an intimate relationship with him. I I want you to take a second. I want you to really think about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to accurately think and, and, and seriously think about whether or not your relationship with Jesus Christ is all about rules and regulations. If it's all about rules and regulations and it's not about the relationship, or maybe you you fall a little too far on one side and it's a little bit more about the rules and regulations than it is about Jesus Christ. I want you to accurately represent your relationship with Christ to yourself right now. I want you to be honest with yourself in here. If you have no relationship with Jesus Christ and you can accurately say you have no relationship with Jesus Christ, then I'm talking to you. If you found yourself in a dry, lifeless religion, I'm talking to you. If you've fallen a little too far onto the religious side, and yeah, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but lately, man, you've just been trying to to adhere to that list. Man, I'm talking to you. This sermon is talking right at you. It's talking to me. Tonight is the night to submit yourself over to Jesus Christ. So perhaps you've never truly heard the gospel of Jesus. You've never really heard it in its entirety. You've never accurately, Jesus has never accurately been portrayed to you. Maybe you've never been to church and you're just here checking things out. If that's you and you now have heard the gospel of Jesus and the things I've talked about tonight appeal to you and right now you know I'm talking to you. Tonight is the night to ask yourself, are you going to submit to Jesus Christ? Man, if you don't know Jesus, tonight is the night. And I want you to ask yourself, are you going to submit to Jesus? And if either one of those scenarios is you, and you've never given your life to Christ, or you've never submitted yourself over to Jesus fully, and tonight you're saying yes, and, and you've never done this before. And tonight you're saying yes. And tonight you want to submit yourself to Jesus. You've never done it before. Can I have you do something to me? I know you're talking. You know I'm talking to you. If you've never submitted your life to Christ. And tonight my sermon is just hitting home. 
And you want that relationship. You want that passion. You want that love of Jesus Christ. If you, if you can look around to the people that are here and you can say, man, those guys love Jesus way more than I love Jesus. I want to kind of have, I want to have that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, I'm talking to you. Can I have you do something for me? Can I have you just raise your hand? Right now, it is simple as that. Just raise your hand. I see your hands. I'm going to give you one more shot. If you have never submitted yourself to Christ, maybe you've claimed you're a Christian. Maybe you've been to church your entire life, but you've never truly submitted your life to Christ. Forget about the people sitting next to you. Forget about your mom sitting at home. Forget about everybody else. Just ask yourself, do you want to submit your life to Jesus Christ? If that's you, raise your hand. I see your guys' hands. And now tonight, if you have submitted your life to Christ before, but lately, maybe through the summer, it was just tough. Maybe, maybe the first week of college, it's just been tough. And tonight, you're just saying, I want to resubmit myself to Jesus Christ. I, I want to make a declaration right here, right now. I want to resubmit my life to Christ. If I'm talking to you and you know I'm talking to you, raise your hand. I'll give you one more shot. I see your guys' hands. I'll give you guys one more shot. Maybe you've been slipping into religion a little bit. Maybe you haven't prayed to God in weeks, maybe months. Your relationship with God is a, a long-distant phone call once a month. If you know I'm talking to you, and tonight you're saying... I want it to change. I want to talk to God daily. I want to have that intimate relationship. I want to love God the way the rest of these guys in here love God. I want to love the way love God the way that, you know, maybe your best friends love God. You're saying you want to have that intimate relationship and you've just slipped away. Tonight, you know I'm talking to you. If that's you and you want to have a closer relationship with God, raise your hand. I see your hands. See, raising your hand isn't some magic. Now that you've raised your hand, everything is done. No, raising your hand is the initial step. It's saying to yourself and to God and to me, because I can see you, that you understand that it is about Jesus. It is not about yourself. And that you would like to begin. Take that first step. Begin on that path to Jesus Christ. It's the first step. It's the first step in a long journey in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you raised your hand tonight in a minute, we're going to say a prayer. I'm going to have you uh, and everyone here repeat this prayer after me. If you raised your hand, please don't leave here tonight without finding a small group leader, finding myself, finding Courtney. Talk to one of us. If you raised your hand at all, find one of us to talk to. Get engaged in a small group. Come up, talk to us. If you're giving your life to Christ tonight, I don't want you to leave without having a conversation with you. So would you guys repeat after me? 
Jesus, it's all about you. Tonight, I recognize that. I give my life to you. Help me to serve you and to follow you and help me to make my life less of me and more of you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and taking my sins away from me. You are my Savior. Amen. Man, tonight, if you accepted Christ for the first time, welcome to the family. It really is a family. Christianity is a family. And if this prayer, you know, seemed a little weird to you, like I said, it's just the first step in your walk with Christ and and, in your resubmitting your life to Christ. And so if you raised your hand, you know, it's not the end all. Raising your hand wasn't the end all. It was the beginning step. If you raised your hand tonight, even if you didn't raise your hand visibly, but you knew in your heart that you wanted to submit your life to Christ, please talk to my wife right before you guys leave or a small group leader before you guys leave. I'm going to close with some prayer now. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the souls who have who've said tonight, I want to get to know you. I thank you for them putting themselves forward. Sometimes it can be tough to admit that things aren't all the way that they should be or things aren't the way that we want them to be. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that every single person that raised their hand, whether they gave their life to Christ for the first time tonight, whether they rededicated their life to Christ, or whether they didn't even raise their hand, but, man, they, they meant it. I pray that you would protect them as they leave here, that you would begin sending godly people into their lives people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ into their lives to help them on their path, to help them to stay dedicated to you and and not the the religious set of laws, but Lord, to to have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would have his way in every single person in here's lives tonight. Because Lord, what it really comes down to is it is about you. It's not about me. It's not about my wife. It's not about Reuben playing the, the, the guitar right now. It's not about worship. It's about our relationship with you because of you and for you. You reconciled us to you. Lord, I thank you for all you're doing here and in Chi Alpha. And Lord, I pray that uh, as these students leave here this week, that you would help them to manage their time more efficiently and so maybe they could set set aside more time for you Lord we thank you and it's in your name we pray Amen